John Gordon is the author of 15 books, including five bestsellers. John and his tips have been featured on the Today Show, CNN, CNBC, The Golf Channel, Fox and & Friends, and in numerous magazines and newspapers. Hey, it's Dustin, and welcome to this edition of the Burleson Box. John's clients include the Los Angeles Dodgers, Atlanta Falcons, Campbell Soup, Dell and Southwest Airlines, the Pittsburgh Pirates, Clemson Football, Northwestern Mutual, Bayer, and many more. John is a graduate of Cornell University and holds a master's in teaching from Emory University. He and his training and consulting company are passionate about developing positive leaders, organizations, and teams throughout the world. In this episode, John Gordon and I will talk about his book, The Energy Bus, 10 Rules to Fuel Your Life, Work, and Team with Positive Energy. You'll discover why you are the driver of your bus, why it's so easy to forget, and how you can help everyone around you thrive. I'm excited to share John's interview with you on this episode of The Burleson Box. When's the last time you evaluated your credit card processing statement? Our partners at Stacks are offering a free savings analysis for our listeners, where they will actually take your merchant statement with your current processor and show you where you're overpaying. Stacks has saved orthodontics practices over 40% per month on payment processing costs. So don't wait. Get your free savings analysis today and see how much you're overpaying for your credit card processing. Go to StacksPayments.com forward slash Burleson dash seminars to schedule your savings analysis today. Plus, as a special offer for our podcast listeners, if you sign up today, you can get your first two months of payments processing costs waived from Stacks. Once again, that's StacksPayments.com forward slash Burleson dash seminars. Stop overpaying. Start saving. Hey, huge fan. Thanks for coming on the program today. Uh, you've got a ton of best-selling books, but today we're talking about the energy bus, 10 rules to fuel your life, work, and team with positive energy. Uh, first time I read this um, was years ago, then a client sent it to me, and everyone, everyone loves this book. So um, if you're listening to this program, you've got a copy of the book. There's about 300 of you that uh, they get this shipped to you every quarter. The rest, you'll hear this uh, via email or via our podcast. So anyways, uh, welcome. John, tell me, I'm curious, you know, what was the inspiration for the book? Walk us through it. Well, I was really struggling myself in terms of being negative. I wasn't very positive. My marriage was struggling. I was struggling with my life. And and my wife said, you know, you got to change. You need to really change or else we're not going to be married anymore. So I went on this journey to try to just be more positive. And so I started to research all the ways that I could be more positive. I started sharing these positive tips and then one day I was walking and thinking about, about a book I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to write a fable. And the idea just came to me about a passenger and a bus driver and how the bus driver changes the life of a passenger and teaches that passenger about positive energy. Started writing the book. I mean, I had the vision for it. I had about a few of the rules, but I didn't have the entire book. And as I started to write it, the book just unfolded. And before you knew it, I had this book written in three and a half weeks of just pure inspiration. I would say the book wrote me more than I wrote it. <laughs> well, that, that shows why it stood the test of time. It's a brilliant book, and I love that it's in fable format. It is a, it's a great analogy for leadership. And um, 
everyone we've put this book in front of uh, says it's changed their life, it's changed their business, changed their personal relationship. Uh, I love that uh, your wife pushed you, pushed you. And all great ideas usually come from come from the woman and, and the relationship. <laughs> it's fantastic. Quite the <laughs> and, uh, and George was based and George was based on me, the main character. So when people ask about George, I'm like, oh yeah, he was based on me and my own personal struggle with negativity and the idea of have of him having to take the bus to work because his wife wouldn't take him. Well, that was based on personal experience. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we, we all, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, we all fall victim of this, uh, you know, negative mindset that, uh, that we can't get things done or that it's too hard or that we can't get buy-in or and our, the people listening to this small business owners, um, it's really, really easy. And, uh, it takes a lot of effort to, to, to do the things you say in the book. Talk about when the first rule I love, it's, you know, it's listen, Hey, you're the driver of your bus. Um, simple, profound, but why do you think so many people forget this rule? Because you have to take responsibility for your life. Becoming the driver says, you know what? I have a huge influence on the kind of ride it's going to be. My attitude, my energy, how I show up each day, the energy I bring to others, that so often determines the course of your life, of my life. And so becoming the driver is so important, but we sort of feel like life is you know, the result of things that are thrown at us. We often feel like life controls us rather than we control life. And so, so often we forget that we are the driver and we think we're just at the beck and call or we're just at basically the the whim of, of where life wants to take us. And yes, there are some things we can't control, but in many ways, when we show up every day with a great attitude, we can control a lot more than we think. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you just turn on the TV, uh, read the newspapers, or just observe people, you know, in your life, it's usually the opposite message. You, you know, if you were a foreign visitor, like an alien to this planet, you'd probably assume that everything's out of your control <laughs> based based on every crisis in the news and every every tone of every uh, news article. You know, I think this book should be required reading before anyone gets out of middle school, let alone high school, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you do you have you sensed that kind of change and you know, what maybe your your parents and my parents and grandparents saw as their responsibility in life versus where we are today? Well, I appreciate that because the book is actually actually more popular now than it was ten years ago when it was coming out, and so a lot of younger people are reading it. And then we also have the Energy Bus for Kids book as well, which is being used by elementary schools. So we are in a lot of schools now with the Energy Bus Adult version, which tons of teachers have read, and then they use it in their classrooms. We have the kids' version. So our goal with that is really to help transform education, to get the negativity out of education, bring more positivity to the classroom, to teachers, teachers and to kids, so they can be their best. And so, yeah, I've seen a change, but in a positive way because – Years ago, no one was talking about positivity. I think there was so much negativity, but no one was talking about it. Now, there's probably even more negativity, but everyone's talking about positivity and happiness. And we're really starting to see a movement of people being able to hopefully take control of their lives, becoming happier, becoming more positive, and really overcoming all the negativity that they have to face to ultimately define themselves and their team's success. So you can't be successful if you're, if you're not positive. I mean, in the, in the long run, you have to be a positive leader to impact others. That's what the energy bus is all about. You can be negative in the short run and succeed, but it, it doesn't last. It's not sustainable. 
it's you know it's interesting every successful business owner leader could be a teacher pastor anyone they all are the most enthusiastic usually in, in that niche so if i go for example you know to columbus ohio and i interview all the restaurant owners usually the one who's the most enthusiastic about his or her niche in that restaurant space is usually the most successful in, in my coaching world with orthodontists and doctors you know the minute they get out of that you know what drove you to want to do this in the first place uh, I see the practice. I see the business decline. It's really, really fascinating. Um, I you want to talk are, to you about you. You, you are conti- you are contagious. Sorry, you, you are contagious as a leader. So every day you're bringing your energy to the people around you. And if you love what you do, as you just said, and you're passionate about it, that passion is going to drive you to make a greater impact, to work harder, ultimately create more success. But that positivity is also going to attract more people to you. They're going to want to work with you. And so it's a huge influence on your team, your customers, and everyone you work with. I totally agree. I um, was really inspired by a formula uh, that you summarize in the book called E plus P equals O. And I think you said to mention that you talked to Jack Canfield about it, a great author and great business thinker. Um, Share with the listeners, why why is that so important? Well, I was inspired by that formula from Jack Canfield. And it basically says... We can't control the events in our life, but we can control our positive response, our positive attitude to those events. And so often that determines the O, the outcome. And so it's what we're talking about. Things are going to happen. Being positive doesn't mean that life is always good. We're not positive because life is easy. We're positive because life is hard. And when it's hard, how do you respond? We stay positive. We continue to work hard one step at a time. And ultimately, if we just do that, we're going to create more success. I mean, it's really yeah. not cliche. We, we think it's like a cliche thing, stay positive. But there really is a power to it when you can just stay positive and keep showing up. I work with the L.A. Dodgers this year. The L.A. Dodgers, the last actually three years, started the season horribly, lost a lot of games. The media was already writing them off. They thought the season was over. But no, this team just stayed positive and showed up every day, trying to get better every day, trying to get some wins. And sure enough, they're now in first place. Why? It was a team that just stayed positive together. That's exactly right. And I was just going to go there with, you know, people think it's cliche or something on the back of a bumper sticker. But this actually works, <laughs> right? And it's the opposite of how we, most of us view most of us view, view life like, oh, well, yeah, you know, that person is the CEO Right. And that's why they're happy. Well, it's just the opposite. Right. The reason they become the CEO is because throughout their career, they've chosen to be positive. They've used it to overcome obstacles. And listen, I mean, you have no control today if you wake up and your car breaks down or someone runs into the back of your car or you show up to the office and there's no electricity. The water's, you know, all these things happen. And, And the most successful people, to the credit in your book, you know, really learn how to get over it and to deal with you know, their response and not just what happens to them. So it's brilliant, brilliant advice. Yeah, people say, John, you're just speaking on this because, you know, you're successful and because, you know, you're Mr. Positive and that's why you're happy. No, no, I was very negative and I saw the power of positivity in my own life. And so I'm the perfect example of someone who went from negative to positive. And I can tell you, I have what I have in my life. I get to do what I'm doing in my life. I get to make a difference now because I changed my mindset. I won the battle of my mind because I was losing for years and I was miserable and negative. But once I became positive, I have seen the impact that just me being positive has made on my family, my marriage, 
and now everyone around me. I can say on behalf of our listeners, we're thankful and grateful that you decided to share it because uh, it's, it's a great, uh, great book and uh, and just really powerful lessons. And I, if I didn't say it, if you have kids and you're listening to this, you do need to get the kids version of it. And if your kids are in middle school or high school, give them the adult version of it and, and review this with your families. It's, it's that important. Hey, I want to talk about, um, you know, some of the effects you've seen. You know, you mentioned the Los Angeles Dodgers, a great baseball team. Um, you know, talk about how you get those leaders on the, on the bus, right? You know, cause it'd be one thing to go in and, and talk with a huge, you know, successful group like the Dodgers, but you know, how does their ego get in the way? What's that like when you go and work with, you know, multimillionaire athletes and try to get their head screwed on street? Usually I found that these athletes, I just spoke to the Rams the other night, for example, and worked with the Titans and the Rams last year and the Atlanta Falcons for seven years, the Miami Heat. Oklahoma City Thunder, what I've learned working with all these different teams and athletes is they all want to get better. And like all of us, they deal with negativity. They have stuff going on in their personal lives. They deal with fear and doubt, just like all of us, sometimes even more because they have more to lose because they've created a level of success. And as a result of that, they need to hear this message. And it's really just reminders of what they know, but it's a reminder that helps them shift their perspective, overcome their adversity, and continue to strive for greatness. So for me, I, I love working with those teams and their egos are, you know, for some egos where they want to be great, but most of them I've met really just want to get better. And if you can say something that will help them get better, they're open to it. Now, a quick word from our sponsor. Are you trying to increase your treatment plan close rates while also increasing revenue? How can you do both for your dental practice without burning out an already burdened staff? The answer, remote dental monitoring. You need a trusted HIPAA compliant app that helps you and your staff work smarter, not harder. This needs to be an easy to use, easy onboard app that your patients will find fun to use and will increase their engagement and success with aligners. You need the in-hand dental app. The in-hand dental app allows you to engage with your patients in real time, send individual and batched messages, and solve problems to increase compliance without using up chair time. The result? Happy patients, happy staff, and happy practices. With more revenue and the ability to do more starts. With prices starting as low as $149 a month, it's perfect for a growing aligner business. Check us out and learn more at InHandDental.com. Plus, mention Burleson for a 20% off discount on your subscription when you contact us. That's InHandDental.com. And now, back to the program. Have you experienced uh, any that need to get off the bus or what in, in your book you call the concept of, you know, energy vampires and you insist that no one <laughs> that's an energy vampire be allowed on the bus? You know, talk about that. Why is that? Why is that rule so important? Oh, of course. I think it's why my book has spread throughout the sports world is because it gives coaches an example or a dialogue or a framework to get rid of those negative people that are sabotaging the team or at least confront them and deal with them. So yes, I mean, I've, I've met some energy vampires. I was an energy vampire in my own past. I've also met energy vampires that have transformed and become more positive members of the team, major influencers of the team. So we can all change. We can all improve. If the person wants to improve, you keep them on. You work with them. You invest in them. You you help them. You coach them. If they're not willing to change, if they just want to stay negative, then you got to make that person, you know, uh, 
you know, you got to isolate them or even get, get them off the bus. Why? Because one person can't make a team, but one person could break a team. So don't allow one negative person to sabotage your team, your culture, your organization. It's true. We have a tendency, I think, I see with a lot of our clients to spend most of our time and our own energy on the people that are underperforming to try to get them to, you know, baseline or average. And then we ignore the winners, <laughs> which is usually the opposite of the, uh, of the of the sports world. Usually, you know, the coaches are focusing on how to make sure the top performers continue to perform and everyone else either flushes themselves out or goes back down to the minor leagues, uh, which, by the way, we could probably use you out here in Kansas City. <laughs> We've got a rough, <laughs> rough season this year. So um, talk about, you know, how, how long would you give someone? What's that look like if you say isolate someone? You know, uh, talk about that a little bit. Pat Riley said, you don't have to yell at someone who wants the same things as you do. So if someone is not ready or willing to get on the bus, again, you have to let that person off right away. If someone is willing to change and you, you know, can work with that person, well, then you keep that person on. You continue to work with them. There's no timetable. If someone is willing to change and you can coach them and help them, then you help them get better in that process. So I am a big believer in, in coaching people to get better, but you do have to spend more time with your high performers. You want to invest in them. The middle of the road people, those, you know, I call lukewarm people, you got to get them to be passionate and excited. So you got to work with those people and the lower engaged people, the less energetic people, you have to decide who's going to get off the bus, who you need to let off and who needs to be transformed and who could change and who can then rise up. And I've seen improvements in all of these areas. There's no perfect science. There's no perfect formula for this. And that's where the leader's gut and the leader's intuition and their leadership style comes into play and their skill of leadership. You know, I'm only as good as the leader, right? Because, yeah, a team could read my books and I speak to them. But if the leader doesn't embrace it and they don't lead in that way, it's not going to have an impact. It's huge. It's a brilliant piece of advice. I hope everyone goes back a few seconds. And so we call a writer down or that quote from Pat Riley. Absolutely brilliant. Um, talk about leaders. You know, in the book, you mentioned a quote by Walt Whitman, who said, uh, quote, we convince by our presence. Why do you think the average leader just simply isn't that convincing? Because they're not leading with conviction. They don't have the moral authority. They're not living it. If you don't have it, you can't share it. So that's why I talk about it's so important important to feed yourself with positivity so you can feed others. We just created a power of positive leadership training program where we're teaching leaders, one, to be positive themselves and to be, again, a great leader themselves and they lead themselves and then to then impact others around them. So it starts with you and then it's how you impact the people around you, but it must first start with you. And that positivity must be something that you're feeding yourself on a daily basis. And the more you do, the more you live it, you gain power as a leader, and then that influences the people around you. So I think that's why they're not convincing others is because they're not living it. I've had people give the energy bus to their team and then say, you're either on my bus or off my bus. And that was never the intention. Don't be <laughs> negative about negativity. You have to live the <laughs> principles, right? It's, it's funny because it's true. You have yeah. to live the – well, it's also sad because it's true. But you have to live the principles. You have to lead that way. And then when you do, you'll be – very convincing. I've worked with so many great positive leaders, and it's amazing how contagious they are. I tell leaders all the time, you could be a germ or a big dose of vitamin C. What kind of energy are you bringing each day? It's true. I think we, you know, it brings out the, the nervous laughter sometimes because we've all had a bad boss or a bad leader who it was clear, you know, like, so in our world, you know, I, I have to work, you know, okay, with a cardiologist who's 
you know, 350 pounds and smoking of all people. And you have no moral authority to tell your patients what to do in terms of their heart health. You've got to get your act together. And, uh, you know, it's a painful conversation. But, you know, leadership is one of those things that everyone, you know, it's funny. It's like customer service. You know, most most businesses say they have great, great customer service. You know, like independent assessments say, you know, fewer than 10% actually do. Uh, I think everyone who runs a business is like, well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good leader. I get people to do what I tell them to do. And that's not even close. And that's why I think this book is so important. So, um, you know, again, just uh, we could talk for days and days and days about all the 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 pearls in this book. One of the things I think, frankly, you should charge thousands of bucks for in the book <laughs> is uh, you list out five ways to, quote, love your passengers. And one of those five principles is to bring out the best in them. So, you know, once someone's on your bus, how do you bring out the best? I mean, my question is, do you think today's leaders are hitting or missing the mark and why? Yeah, many are missing the mark. One, because they lead, they lead with perhaps too much accountability and not enough love. The key is love and accountability, or they have too much love and not enough accountability. So if you had a lot of love and no accountability, you develop great relationships, you're like a family, but you're not pushing that person to be great. So you're not challenging that person. So you're not having the difficult conversations for them to grow. If you have a lot of accountability, no love, which is a lot of leaders, you're driving that person all the time, you're talking about numbers, you're pushing that person, but you really wearing that person out. And there's no engagement in that person because there's no relationship. And Andy Stanley said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. So the key to great leadership, and the reason why so many are missing the mark, is because you have to have love and accountability. Here is what you can expect from me, and here is what I expect from you. Here is the love that I'm going to give you. I care about you. I'm going to invest in you. Here's the coaching I'm going to give you. I'm going to spend time developing a relationship with you. But then I earn the right to challenge you and push you to help you be your best. This is not about you being your best for me. First and foremost, it's about you being the best for you. And if I care about you, I'm not going to let you settle for anything but your best. But as you become your best, you now will be able to give more to me and our organization. And so we all get better in the process. That's awesome. Again, that's a million dollar pearl. I love the quote from Andy Stanley. I grew up watching and listening to his dad. and It's been fun to see what he's done as well. Two very bright people. Um, you know, every time we talk about leadership, our clients get real excited because it's warm and fuzzy. And then no one likes accountability. <laughs> they all, you know, they all just want to talk about the fun leadership stuff. And some want to talk about management. But then when we get to oversight or accountability, you know, it gets really, really intimidating. I think a lot of um a lot of doctors listening to this, you know, really would just prefer to be back in the clinic, right, or in the lab working with patients or working on uh, results. And and they kind of shudder when they think they have to actually maybe put some boundaries in place for employees who aren't hitting the mark or who aren't, uh, you know, following the vision and mission of the company. Um, you know, can you talk to that a little bit? You know, what are, what's some advice you would have for someone who shies away from the accountability part? Well, if you're a doctor or a dentist, you did not get into this profession because you want to have to lead people. You loved <laughs> doing the technical work. You're a dentist. You're an artist. You love the work of working on the teeth and the mouth in a small, confined area. And you're really like a, a craftsman. You didn't want to have to lead people. My wife and I often joked when we had kids, we didn't want to have to manage these kids. We just wanted kids, but now we have to become <laughs> managers of them. It's like, wow, this is hard stuff, right? Now you have to manage these people. Then they become teenagers, and now my kids are 18 and 20, and they're telling you what to do. So it gets a lot, <laughs> it gets a lot harder and more challenging. So for these 
leaders and whether we're talking about doctors or dentists or, or, or anybody, you have to bring accountability into the equation of what you expect, of the standards of excellence that you expect. And you have to talk about that openly. And I have found that once you bring it up from the very beginning and you make it part of your culture and part of your leadership, you really don't have to revisit it that much as long as people are adhering to those standards, not rules, but standards. These are our standards of excellence. I have found that a team that has great standards doesn't need a lot of rules because everyone is rising to the level of being their best and what's expected. So you have to lead. You have to have these team meetings. You have to get people together. But as a leader, I would say, okay, you could do it once a week. And in doing that, you can really set the tone at the cultural level. And then from there, you may have to have these individual conversations from time to time. But it's part of your office. It's part of your culture. And if you don't invest in your culture, you're not going to have a great office. So you really have to do it, even though you may not want to do it and never intended to do it. You hit the nail on the head. And I hope everyone, uh, again, rewinds and listens to that again, because you know we, we send trainers all over, like in 29 countries now, and we send trainers into these offices. And within 10 minutes, we know whether or not a company, a small business, like a doctor's office or a dental office, is operating based on principles or standards of excellence or not, right? Most yep. of them have like a million little rules written down everywhere, or even worse, <laughs> we expect as the doctor for everyone to read our minds. And uh, I love, I love that summarization. It's fantastic. And so, uh, hey, I know our time today uh, is getting close to the end. Um, I want to make sure you get a chance to let everyone know what to find, what you're up to next. But um, again, I'd recommend highly before we go, um, please get through the book. If you have kids in the house, Get the, get the kids edition or, or get the full edition and give it to your teenagers, give it to your college age kids, uh, put this in front of your employees, send it to your referring colleagues. It's a fantastic book. Um, tell me, John, you know, what closing comments you have or how can people find, you know, what you're reading, what you're write, writing, what's coming up next for you these days? Well, I really appreciate you sharing the book, first of all, with everyone, but they can find me at johngordon.com, J-O-N gordon.com. Twitter is at J-O-N Gordon 11. Same thing with Instagram and uh, websites, johngordon.com. And, um, you know, I have a new book that just came out, The Power of a Positive Team. The Power of Positive Leadership was before that. And these are really the two books that I've learned since writing The Energy Bus. So these are not fables. The Power of Positive Leadership is everything I've learned about leadership since working with all these teams and organizations on The Energy Bus. And The Power of a Positive Team is everything I've learned about what makes great teams great since working with teams with the energy bus. So these two books are sort of my latest culminations of, of everything I've learned. And people are saying they're, they're some of my best work, even though they're not a fable, because you can just learn so much practical stuff that I, I didn't get to share in the energy bus. So these are like, you read the energy bus first, then you read these books, and you put these steps into practice, and you'll start to see your leadership and your team grow to a higher level. And I just want to share with people that being positive doesn't just make you better. It makes everyone around you better. And that's why this work is so important. It's huge. And you read my mind. I was going to tell everyone, please go get those other two books and add them to your list. Uh, they are priceless. So, um, John, I had a blast. This was great, man. You knocked it out of the park. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us on another episode of The Burleson Box, where we bring you and your team leaders into the conversation with today's best authors and business leaders. If you've enjoyed this program, please share us with a friend or colleague. You can visit theburlesonbox.com and sign up to receive my monthly reading list, study guides for each of the books and authors we interview, or you can call us at 800-891-7520. 
And let's talk about how a Burleson Box membership, monthly coaching, or our annual leadership conference can work for you and your team. Please be sure to listen each month. We've got new resources to help you and your team serve your patients with excellence. Until next time, remember the words of Lemony Snicket, who said, Never trust anyone who has not brought a book with them. Go, make it a great month. I'll see you right here next time on The Burleson Box. Dr. Burleson here. You've heard that real estate should be a part of every investor's portfolio, but maybe you're unsure where to start. My good friend and colleague, Dr. David Phelps, leads an investor community that has ditched the traditional Wall Street model for the stability of real estate assets. They are called Freedom Founders, and they do real estate really, really well. David's Freedom Blueprint reveals exactly how much you need to retire. Some of my top clients have done the program. They speak highly of David and his Freedom Blueprint. With the certainty of their passive real estate investments, Freedom Founders members are free to spend more time with family or even leave the practice altogether. David has put together some special resources for my listeners. To access, just text Dustin to 972-203-6960 or go to freedomfounders.com forward slash Burleson.